Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Hey guys, we're the Real Estate Women. I'm Colleen. I'm I'm Tamara. And I'm Crystal. Today's episode, we will be talking with the real estate about real estate syndication and how in, investing in real estate syndication can bring you a passive stream of income. And that is why we b- brought Matt Piccini on for this episode. Crystal, do you want to do the intro? Tamara, that's all you. Okay. Matt um, Pitchy is a uh, former actor turned investor and founder of an investment company. He has over 15 years experience in property analysis, financing, acquisition, construction, and operations. He has invested in over 8,000 apartments nationwide. He is also the author of Backstage Guide to Real Estate, a book aimed at teaching you how to produce a stream of passive income through real estate investing. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book? Oh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show, first and foremost. I'm very excited to be here with with all of you. Um, I wrote the book out of uh, what I felt was a necessity to have this kind of information available to people. So, So the book talks about my journey going from an actor who knew absolutely nothing about real estate all the way to where I am now, a passive investor and, and, and general partner on a number of uh, different doors. You know, like you said, I have actually a little over 10,000 units at this point um, in, in my portfolio. I had a meetup that I was running in Boston and a lot of people who were in that meetup group, uh, we were talking about uh, investing in multifamily syndications. They would come to me and ask me questions um, they started wanting to invest in these things. We're trying to learn different things about it. And a lot of times they would find a deal that they were thinking about investing in and asked if they could have some time with me so that I could review it with them and tell them if I thought it was a good deal or not. And I was happy to do that. But as that meetup and that group grew bigger and bigger and bigger, I was just running out of time in the day to do it. I mean, I would go and drive somewhere and meet them and stay for an hour or two and then drive back to my office. And I just, (laughs) I have other things that I needed to do. So I thought, how do I try to get this information to as many people as possible? Because a lot of the questions were the same. And so I decided to write um, a little booklet, like a little pamphlet is what it was really going to be of kind of like, here's the things to look out for when you're looking at a syndication. But as I started writing it, it, it grew to be a little bit more um, and I had about an 80 page book, I think when I, uh, when I, when I first did this and I read it and it was terrible. Like it was just really boring <laughs> technical stuff. It was like eating cardboard, like just, I mean, the information I think was good, but it wasn't palatable. It wasn't something that people mm. could, could read and sort of understand, especially if you were a little bit newer to real estate investing. So that's when I decided to take it and put it into that narrative of my life and take the reader along that journey so that someone who is just starting off, I mean, that's where the book starts off with me just starting off. 
and then you can learn over time. So if you're a more experienced investor, you might find the first few chapters, you're not learning a lot about real estate, um, but I'm hoping that, or, you know, it's things that you probably already know about real estate. So it might be a good refresher, but also I've put in stories and humor and try to make it entertaining so that if you're not learning a lot at the, in the earlier chapters, you're at least finding an, an interesting story. But as we get towards the end of the book, you know, we're talking about 1031 exchanges and an air rights deal and things that are definitely more technical. So it kind of meets readers wherever they are in their journey. Matt, you mentioned that you had um, started a meetup. Was that, how, when did you start doing that? For, for our listeners that may not even know what you're referring to with the meetup. I mean, I know COVID has opened up the world so mm -hmm. that we can do meetups virtually now, but um, could you elaborate a little tiny bit more on that and like how you started that and why you started that? Yeah, well, so there's a website called meetup.com, which has been around for, I don't know, I want to say maybe 10 years or so, maybe somewhere between five to 10 years. And uh, people can go there and create a uh, an event and say, hey, I'm interested in whatever it is you're interested in, you know, whether it's real estate or basketball or I don't know, maybe you collect uh, seashells. I have no idea, but whatever group you want, you can just, you make up a thing. And um, when I moved to Miami, um, I was looking, that's when I decided to do start doing real estate full time. I was looking for other people who were doing real estate. And I started looking on meetup.com and going to different things and, and looking for other people who were doing what I wanted to do. Um, I found in Miami that there was nobody doing that in the multifamily space. Now there was a lot of real estate investment groups, but they were really based around single family homes. There was a lot of people who were going mm -hmm. to those things that were flipping homes or wholesaling, which is a way where people can uh, get properties under contract and then sell them to mm -hmm. investors. So nothing wrong with that. Totally great thing to do, but not what I was interested in. So I just figured, well, if it doesn't exist, I'll just create one. So I created one in Miami and I lived in Miami for a couple of years. And I learned things about better, th better ways to do it. And when I got to, to Massachusetts, when I got to Boston, um, there was actually someone who had started one. They had only had like one or two meetings and I went to it and it just turned out that they were decided to move out of town. And they're like, hey, do you want to take it over? And I was like, yeah, that would be great. So we already had a good base. We had like 15 or 20 people. And then mm -hmm. I just started growing it. And over about three year period, we grew it to be, you know, we would have over a hundred uh, on average, over a hundred people. Uh, sometimes we'd have over 200 people at the events, depending on who was speaking and what the topic was. And so it was a, a local event that we did in person where people would come. Um, you could meet other people um, and, 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 and talk and network. And we would have a speaker speak about a, uh, a topic related to real estate. Like one time we did a panel about, you know, is it better to self-manage or to hire a professional property manager? Uh, we talked about, Hey, is it, how, how do you invest out of state? And is it, is that a safe thing to do? Uh, you know, what is a real estate syndication? How do those work? All different topics like that. Nice. So, well, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Crystal. It's okay. Um, I was just saying, you know, you just mentioned what is a real estate syndication, and that's something that we really wanted to chat about here today because, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, you know, 
a lot of people looking for just that stream of passive income. And, you know, we kind of started this podcast because a lot of the same reason you wrote your book, like there's so much information out there. And like when we started, all four of us started in real estate, there's now being, uh, you know, quite a few years in, it was like, oh, there's so much that we wish we knew right off the bat. So that's kind of why we started this. And we figured uh, one big important question that can be kind of difficult to get answered. Um, you know, what is a real estate syndication, you know, and I think that, you know, your book obviously lays that out great. So if you could just kind of put that, how, how would you explain that in kind of like the simplest way for our listeners, what a real estate syndication really is? And uh, yeah. Well, a syndication is when a bunch of investors pool their money and other resources together to be able to go ahead and invest in something that maybe they wouldn't be able to do on their own, right? So the idea of like a collective, of pooling things together, um, you can leverage each other's balance sheets, you can pool that capital together to be able to obtain things that are otherwise unobtainable. And so um, that doesn't have to only mean real estate. Actually, my wife and I are in, involved in Broadway shows and a lot of those are done through syndications. Um, but people do strip malls and, uh, you know, self-storage units and multifamily, uh, uh, sorry, uh, mobile home parks. And then also the multifamily, right? Real estate syndications, which is a lot what, what I think most of us here are, are most involved with. So in that real estate syndication, it really is people pooling resources together to be able to buy a hundred or 200 unit property that neither of us on our own could, could do. We don't have the balance sheet. We don't have the available liquid capital to buy. I mean, I could never buy a $50 million property on my own. I don't have mm -hmm. the resources to do that. But if I work together with a bunch of other people, all of a sudden now I can, and I could be either um, the way these are usually set up. There are limited partners and there are general partners. Some a limited partner is someone who's just investing in the deal, doesn't have a lot of control over the deal. Uh, most, most cases, they don't have any control over the deal. Um, but then there's the general partners. And those are sort of the organizers who are putting the deal together. They're the people who, who do manage that asset. Um, and they, they uh, do a lot of different things. They, they also are signing on the loan documents and things of that nature. So there's sort of the general partners that have more liability and more day-to-day -day type of involvement um, and decision-making. And then the limited partner, my, myself, my portfolio, two-thirds of my portfolio are deals where I'm a limited partner. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have to make sure that I vet the person that I'm, that I'm going to be investing with. I talk about all of that in, in the book, like how to do that. But, you know, there's three things that I look at. I look at the deal. Uh, mm -hmm. I look at the market where the deal is, but most importantly, who's the sponsor? Who's the general partner, right? You'll hear mm -hmm. those names sort of used synonymously, general partner and sponsor. Who is that person or people who are running the deal? Um, that's really important. But once you do that, like, like I, two thirds of my portfolio, I just, I vet it. I make sure it's a good deal. I write a check. Hopefully they know what they're doing <laughs> and hopefully they can send me, you know, checks and I get that, that passive income stream. The other third of my portfolio, which is almost 4,000 units at this point are deals that I am a general partner in. 
I have at least weekly calls, usually more than weekly calls, uh, working with our property management company, working with our other general partners uh, to execute the business plan that we have for that asset. Nice. And did you start as a limited partner or did you start as a general partner? Like where, what, what, what came first for you personally? Well, I wanted to be a general partner. Um, I had done real estate. So a lot of people who do real estate, um, as a, you know, if you're a general partner and you're actively involved in this, a lot of people have started off in the single family world. Now you don't have to, and there are a few people I know that just jumped right into multifamily, but I like a lot of people did a lot of this for myself as sort of a hobby for 10 years. I did single family and fix and flips and things of that nature before I got involved full-time in the multifamily world. Um, so, uh, that is, um, sort of how I got started. And it was, was, I I always wanted to be a general partner, but it Mm -hmm. actually took me two years to Mm -hmm. get my first deal as a general partner. And I can talk a little bit more about that if you, if you'd like, but during that two year period, I was investing as a limited partner because number one, I thought they were good deals and I wanted the cash flow. And number two, I thought that I could learn and I did learn from being a passive investor in other people's deals. I could see how they were, um, you know, when, when they came up with a challenge, how they were overcoming those challenges in their deals, uh, learning how they were communicating with their investors. And then when it came time for me to have my first deal, I had already invested, I think, in five other deals as a limited partner. So I was like, well, you know, I like that this one sponsor did this thing, so I'm going to do that. But they did this other thing that I didn't like. But, you know, the other, this other sponsor, sponsor B, did this other thing that I really liked. And so I kind of almost Frankensteined my own style of mm-hmm. reporting to give to my investors things that I thought as an investor was useful. And I wanted to share that um, with with. And I, you know, I think that my reporting is really great. I mean, um, <laughs> cause I made it in my own, but I think, you know, people li- like that. They want to know what's going on. And, uh, you know, but by, by being a passive investor, I just think there are things that you can learn. Matt, in your book, I noticed that, it, I don't know if you intentionally did this or not, but like you, you, you know, in your acting career, you put a picture of yourself as Mowgli that you were, I guess it was like Macy's day parade or something you were, you were in when you were young. And, um, and not that you're not young now, um, <laughs> but you know, I was I reflecting a lot younger than I really am. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. You do look young, Matt. So, um, That's and, not a bad thing. So, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was walking today on the beach was reflecting. It's like, how interesting reading your book and that you have that picture of Mowgli because there's, there are so many adventures that you had, you know, and discovery in your own, in your own way and, and through your own curiosity and striving for what you, what you wanted to do. So with that in mind, what was your, how did you find out about your first syndication? Um, do you have any like fun little stories about that? And, um, and how did you even find out about it? Yeah. So um, I was Mowgli in the, it was the Easter parade at Walt Disney world. <laughs> and uh, I used that picture because all the other pictures from when I worked at Disney, I'm 
covered like from head to toe in fur. Like I'm a fully costumed character. And that's one where you can actually see my face. I also thought it was really funny and people would enjoy seeing me just in a loincloth dancing down Main Street. So uh, <laughs> slightly embarrassing, you know, photo, but uh, I was okay with it. Um, so the I found out about syndications. I, I always wanted to go bigger. I bought... Okay. Here, here's the story. I bought a, um, a, a townhome in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And when we bought the townhome, I, so I wrote a chapter in the book called An Accidental House Hack. And it's about this mm-hmm. book, this purchase, because I never set out to do what is affectionately known on, on the internet now as a house hack. There was no term that I was aware of back then. I was actually looking to buy a place for me and my wife, who was pregnant at the time. We needed a bigger place instead of a little one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. And when I was looking in Brooklyn for a place to buy, I came across a property that was actually a two-family. And I started looking at the numbers, and I was like, oh, whoa, this makes sense. I I ended up not buying that one. I bought another one. Um, But... (laughs) The, the numbers made a lot of sense. The one that I bought when we bought it was two units and they were the exact same square footage, but we were going to live in the downstairs unit, which gave us access to the backyard. Um, and the mm-hmm. upstairs unit, the amount of rent that they were paying when we bought the property uh, was more than half of what our mortgage payment was going to be. So I Perfect. knew going into it without really, you know, trying to really understanding cash flow. I mean, I was still learning at this time, but I knew, hey, I can rent out the bottom unit for actually a little bit more because the bottom mm-hmm. unit has the backyard and that would cover more than my mortgage and I would have like extra money. So, hey, this seems like a great deal. And it was, but we still own it to this day. I'm actually talking to you from it right now. But um, nice. yeah, but the it, it, it was a it was a a, a great investment, um, and w- once I did it, and I was like, I need to find another one of these because if I could find another one of these, like let's say that's going to generate I don't know maybe a couple grand a a, a, a month in you know maybe 500, maybe 3000, I don't know, whatever it would generate in mm-hmm. cash flow. Like if I could do those, like if I could get like five or 10 of them, like that could be cool. really good. And at this time I was still doing uh, a digital marketing full time. That's what I did. I was a digital marketer. And um, I, my plan at that point when we first moved in here was like, I'm going to keep doing my job and I'll need to save up for like the next five to 10 years to have enough money for another down payment because the places in Brooklyn, you know, they're not cheap. They're like, you know, seven yeah. figures at least. Right. So right. it's like, uh, you know, I needed a good down payment. So I'll, I'll work for five to 10 years and then I'll save up another like chunk and then I'll buy another one, you know, and then I'll do that again. And like, maybe once I have three or four of them, plus, you know, my 401k and all that other stuff, maybe I can retire. I don't know. That's that, that was kind of my, my goal. Um, when we moved to Miami, um, I read 
Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad and was like, oh, mind blown. You're, so, you're speaking my language. I started house hacking. Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, is literally what catapulted me into multifamily, you know? So you're literally like, I'm just, I love it. I love all of it. It's just so true. <laughs> It's funny, I'll get up in front of a group, you know, I, I speak at these different like real estate events and I'll say, you know, right. who here's read that purple book and like 95% of the audience, <laughs> like that's what gets people yeah. interested in real estate. It's magic. It's just, it hits home in so many ways. I love it. I, I love it. <laughs> so so I read the book and I was like, wow, I need it. I want to do real estate full time. I want to develop, you know, one of the things he talks about is these, you know, multiple streams of passive income. Um, uh, but I, which is kind of what I had wanted to do with the Brooklyn thing, you know, with the buying other townhomes, like, how was I going to do that? And how was I going to have the money? So I started going down the path of fixing and flipping properties and doing that in Ohio and a place that was affordable for me to do and where I have some relatives. And then I was listening to all these different podcasts and somewhere on some pod, this is. Well, I'm going back quite a few years now and mm -hmm. I'm telling you there was no, I know this is hard to believe for people. There was no podcast out there for multifamily syndication. There really mm -hmm. wasn't. Now there's like a million. Um, mm -hmm. But I heard a guest uh, on something talk about something. And then the next thing you know, I, someone said something about syndication. And then I started listening to their podcast. Like I'm waiting and waiting. And then finally on one of the episodes, they have a guest talk about syndication. And I found that guest had a podcast. And then that's when I, and I was like, Oh, okay. And then I was like, okay, so there's this thing called syndication and like, you can get other people to put their money together and you know, wow, that's how I can actually go ahead and scale this. And that's, um, that's how I first found out about syndication. Um, and then I joined, um, I, I went to a, they, they were doing like a weekend webinar, uh, a, sorry, seminar. So I went, I flew to Dallas, uh, to this, this seminar and this particular group, uh, was doing, um, sort of like a, an overview of syndications as a whole, more like a 30,000 foot look, not just real estate, but just like syndications in general and how that works. And there was an sec attorney there and there was a mortgage lender there. And there was a person there who does mentorship and teaches people how to syndicate multifamily real estate and they had a weekend thing a few weeks later and i flew down to dallas again and went to that and then i joined that group and through that group and and actually from that first seminar i met people who were in that group and outside of that group and someone who was in that group became a good friend of mine became very friendly with and one day he's like hey i got a syndication do you want to invest in it and i did and nice. we did not do very well. <laughs> no, was that a total heartbreak? Like your first one not working out as well? Well, you know, I'm sure. Spoiler alert, because there's a chapter in the book. We, we, didn't, we didn't lose any money, which was good, but we didn't really make any money either. It, um, but I learned a lot along the way. And yeah, no, it was a bummer because I was like, oh, I'm going to put my money in this and I'm going to double my right. money in five years. Yeah. And, Four years later, I think it was four years later, we sold it. And I think we made 3% uh, total return on the whole thing. And I was like, you know, it just was not, again, didn't lose money, yeah. but 
lost maybe from an opportunity cost. I could have put that money in something else, but I learned amazingly valuable lessons. And that's kind of the whole thing is like along the way, you're going to make mistakes and missteps as whether you're just a passive investor or a active investor, but you learn from those mistakes, you build upon them and you just make sure that you're, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, mm-hmm. and you do as much research as you can. Vetting, right? Definitely. Yeah, but you know, there's risk inherent in everything. There's risk inherent with walking out your door in the morning, right? So there's risk in um, investing and in real estate investing, but you yeah. do these things uh, you know, that, that you hear about or that you read about in, in my book or other people's books or that you learn from this podcast. And you move forward in a cautious manner, but you got to move forward. You have to take action. But if you do it in a measured approach, hopefully you're reducing the risk. And if you do it a few different times, hopefully you'll have some winners. Yep, That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to compile all the info we wish we knew before to reduce risk. And everything you're giving us about, you know, what a syndication is, is is gold. (laughs) Yeah. So um, while we're on the topic of the syndication here, could you tell us a little bit about how, you know, how does your average person that's just working a nine to five invest in a syndication and maybe touch a little bit on the different types of investors, right? There's accredited and non-accredited. And so not every deal fits or is available for every person. Yeah. Without getting too much into the weeds, there are essentially two types of syndications that can be done. And one of them requires anybody who invests in it to be accredited. Now that's a Mm -hmm. definition that is uh, put forth by the SEC. And it means you have to have a million dollar net worth, not including your primary residence, or you make $200,000 a year, or you and your spouse make $300,000 a year. Okay. Um, There's a couple other nuances to it beyond that, but, um, that is an accredited investor and accredited investors can pretty much invest in, you know, most of the syndications, I'll say 95 to 99% of the syndications are done in one of two methods. So in both of those methods, accredited investors are are fine. Um, There is a method where you could also let people who are not accredited into the deal, but they have to be sophisticated. And the definition of what a sophisticated investor is, is not as cut and dry as accredited. Accredited, there's like specific financial things that you you either meet or you don't. A sophisticated investor, it's up to the person who's running the deal to make sure that they feel that the person who's getting involved in this other type of deal, it's called a 506B syndication, is is, is sophisticated or not. They basically need to make sure that they understand real estate and the risks involved. So one of the things that I like to do, I mean, it it was never the idea when I wrote the book, but as I was writing the book, I realized I'm like, oh, if people read my book, I mean, that would definitely help them be sophisticated. I wouldn't say that that's the only thing that you just Mm -hmm. read my book and all of a sudden, bam, you're sophisticated, but I'd say you're probably pretty darn close. Um, but you want, like, I had somebody who wanted to invest in one of my deals who, who knows me, but knows absolutely nothing about real estate, like nothing, never invested in real estate. 
And I told her like, hey, I'm sorry, but I cannot let you in this deal. And like, first off, I think she was insulted. Never my intention. Um, yeah. And I said it and I, so I didn't, I didn't say anything insulting, but I think she just overall was just like insulted sure. by it. Yeah. Uh, well, and she one. definitely shouldn't have been. That should speak to your character. You're not just letting any Joe Schmo. You're abiding by the SEC guidelines, which I feel like a lot of people don't even appreciate the fact that those guidelines are there. So that that definitely says something. You're not just like, yeah, give me the money. It's easy. Like, that's good. <laughs> but it was hard. That was my point. Yeah. It was hard. Like, I, oh, needed, right. I needed to raise capital for this deal, <laughs> right? Like, we have a deal. We have it under contract. We're, we're about to close. We need the money to, to have for that down payment. So I don't want yeah. to like turn her money away. But on, yeah. on the other hand, I had to make sure that I was abiding by the rules. But I explained to her, I was like, hey, you know, if you do some research and get some books and read up on it a little bit, mm-hmm. then I could let you in one of the deals. But right now you don't really understand the risks that are involved. And there's no way she could look at, she didn't know what a T12 was. Like she, uh, there, there was nothing, there was no right. way that she could vet whether this was an appropriate investment for her or not. And I didn't yeah. feel comfortable with that. Um, so, you know, you, but that's up to the sponsor to decide. But, you know, mm-hmm. if a sponsor lets you in a deal and you're not sophisticated and then you lose money and then you complain about it and then the SEC gets involved and they can get in trouble and it's it's not, you're not supposed to do it. You're breaking the rules <laughs> if you do it. So yeah. don't, but um, so that so those are the two types of syndications. What happens with the syndication? Because Colleen was sort of asking, I think, kind of around like, hey, what is that structure and how is that sort of set up? It, it's a um, an entity is formed. In, in most cases, it'll be an LLC, so limited liability mm-hmm. company. And as an investor, you become a member of that. So this is kind of like you're buying stock in a company, right? You're going to mm-hmm. invest. 50,000, 100,000, whatever that number is, you're going to invest that into that deal and you will get a portion of that company. And that'll all be spelled out to you, or at least it should be by the investor, <laughs> the people who's putting the deal together. And, and all the, these should be a lot of documentation that clearly explains everything. And uh, you'll own a percentage. So let's say, you know, they're raising a million dollars, you put in $100,000, so you now mm-hmm. own 10% of this uh, apartment complex. And so if that apartment complex makes $100,000 in any particular year um, of profit, you should get a distribution of $10,000, which is great. And then the cool thing about real estate is that there's this thing called depreciation, which is this magical thing. I've got a few different articles about it on my blog Mm -hmm. because it can be really complex, but in most cases, uh, those distributions that you're going to get, that passive income that you're getting, um, mm-hmm. can be offset by passive losses that you're getting from depreciation. So you're not, in most cases, again, it depends on each person. In most cases, you're not paying taxes on those distributions you're getting. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end, when the property is sold, and hopefully you get a nice big, big check, there are tax mm-hmm. consequences and you have to pay taxes at that point. <laughs> They're lower in most cases than what people would mm-hmm. be paying than uh, the regular taxes. I remember the first time I heard that and I thought like I had already been, you know, involved in real estate a little bit. So for those that are new might not get all of that and there's no problem. We're going to touch on depreciation in more depth, but either way, exactly what Matt said is uh, boil down. It's, 
it feels like magic. I remember being so excited, like, wait a second. So depreciation, I'm not going to pay as much taxes on this money that I just got. Like it, it's magical, especially when you yeah. have like that rental income. It's, it's so huge. It's one of the, gosh, there's so many pluses about multifamily and that's a big one. <laughs> I just want to interject real quick, just for listeners that may not be um, familiar with a couple of terms that we just mentioned, which is the SEC. And the SEC is the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission, which is the government setting guidelines. Yep. Just like any investors, they have to we have to go by guidelines with multifamily investment or any syndication. And also Matt mentioned a T12, which is basically the rent roll for the property for the past 12 months. Yep. So that's what that is. So every now and then you might be hearing terms that we'll be talking about and we'll just interject and let you know what these are. <laughs> and I'm going to do a shameless plug because this is so apropos. I have 60 different real estate terms in the book defined, like those ones that Candace just, <laughs> yeah. just and they're all in a glossary in fact. Yeah. So convenient. So convenient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tamara, I know you had a great question uh, when we were discussing all of this. That is definitely something super important. So, you know, there, you never know, is it for real? You know, because even listening to us, it's like, oh, yeah, right. Mailbox money, you get money in the mail. So it's like, how, how do you bet someone and how do you know it's not a scam? Um, you know, and how could you really bet that syndication? Really great questions. And part of the reason why I wrote the book and I actually have on my website now a thing where you can go and download for free uh, some sample questions and things like that that you might want to ask somebody if you're interested in doing a deal. And as I mentioned earlier, that there's sort of those three things you want to look at, which is the sponsor, the market and the deal. And so I think you're talking specifically mm -hmm. to the sponsor themselves. And so mm -hmm. some of the questions that I ask about a sponsor, you know, how do you know that sponsor, right? Like, is it someone who sent you this random like Facebook message? Because that's probably like not a good person to invest with. Right? <laughs> um, I mean, they might be, but it's kind of like right. a little, you know, weird. Um, but maybe, maybe uh, just like as an example, you're uh, you're listening to this podcast, and you hear me, and you're like, oh, okay, I heard Matt on this podcast, or you know, whoever the person is, right? Any of you, I know you all syndicate deals, like. You know, hey, I, I heard Candace host this podcast. So let me, you know, that's that's sort of a, a better way, you know, or maybe you meet someone at like a meetup or other sort of, you know, event. That That's really good. The best way, though, that I like uh, to find new sponsors is when I'm having a conversation with someone like Candace and Candace says, hey, Matt, I just invested in Colleen. You know, I, I invested in Colleen's deal like two years ago. She's been giving me uh -huh. great cash on cash and we just <laughs> sold it. And it just mm -hmm. doubled our money in two years, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, Candace, can you introduce me to Colleen? <laughs> so those are the best when there's like another investor who has right. nothing to gain from yep. telling you about a deal, except maybe the Candace is bragging about how she made such a good <laughs> But But you know, when you have that sort of unbiased opinion from somebody, right who's saying, hey, this person's legit. Um, that's how, right. you know, honestly, like that's how I built my businesses through uh, deals that I've done that have done well. And then they, the, that person then told their friends about it. Yeah. And then their friends are like, you know, hey, I definitely like they, they're, they don't mm -hmm. even really question or vet me as much because they're right. like, well, my best friend told me to, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that is the best. 
Nice. And well, that way you good. know Word it's not a scam. I mean, these things, are, you know, aren't scams, but they could be, right? Right. <laughs> so you really do right. need to know who this person that you're sending fifty, a hundred thousand dollars to, because it could be a mm -hmm. scam, and you need to think about it that way. I mean, don't go, don't just start wiring people money. I mean, yeah. sure, <laughs> you know that they're legit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. your questions, that's a great, great resource. Like checking out, you know, your book and then hitting up that page that you have with all the, you know, a beginner list of questions to ask that sponsor because if they start really stumbling on some of that, okay, that's kind of probably a red flag in the first place, you know, but mm -hmm. that's, that's all good. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's definitely very, very helpful. <laughs> One of the things I've noticed about the multifamily world is that uh, even though, you know, the country is very large, it is a very small network. Mm -hmm. So if you're always, you know, curious about someone, you can actually go to a place like a meetup, um, whether it be virtual um, in the area that the home might be, or it could just simply be, you know, talking to people that you also know, may know that invest in real estate and ask questions if they heard of these people. Because usually word of mouth gets around pretty quickly, whether mm -hmm. they know someone and their credibility is another way to go about it as well. Yeah, that's true, Candace. I, I've, um, I've, I've been lucky, I think, in the earlier deals that I didn't get involved in, you know, a couple of deals where I've known people who got involved in them and... Mm -hmm. turned out like you know one of the sponsors like embezzled some money i i don't think that was their intention and i think one thing led to another but they ended up like embezzling money and wow. so uh you you just have to be careful with who you're investing right. your, your money with yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so uh oh go ahead candy yeah no, no no go ahead good oh no, no no i was just going to ask because we've said so much about your book today if our listeners want to get a copy, where do they have to go? How do they reach out to you? How do they learn more about you and what you do? Well, go to my website, pacheni.com. Um, right there on the homepage, that's where you'll be able to download that free list of questions that you might want to ask. And the book's on there. And there's a bunch of blog articles that are like really helpful information on depreciation and all that stuff. I have a newsletter. It's all there. So just go to P-I-C-H-E-N-Y.com. <laughs> Awesome. It's a very entertaining book. I'm glad you mm -hmm. did add all the stories because <laughs> not that your book was, but it can be a very dry read. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was definitely entertaining to hear your story and life experiences and what you've learned from them. It, yeah. You know? Yeah, I tried. To I can see a lot of commonalities. Yeah. yeah, I tried to inject some some fun stories and humor in there because as Candy was saying, I mean, it is really dry subject. <laughs> well uh we like to um end our podcast with a uh kind of a pick a quote of the day we've selected tamara has a couple of quotes here um kind of on mindset and kind of get your input on it so could you pick a number one through three and she'll tell us what that quote is for today i'll go with number two number Door two, number two. <laughs> so um the quote of the day is put your future in good hands, your own. And the author is unknown. Uh, I like so that. how does that resonate with you? What what bubbles up? I see something bubbling up from your facial expression. No, I just think I, I was wondering where it was going, you know, like. Right. I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, that's just, it's, I, I it's, it's a. 
no one's going to care about your financial future more than you. Right. So putting your money in, you know, I'm I'm not trying to knock on anybody who's like an investment advisor. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like they're not going to care as much about it as you. Um, you know, you, you look at like a 401k or, you know, IRA right. that are not self-directed, your, your options are limited if you go into a self-directed type of thing. And by the way, I'm not like a huge proponent of retirement plans to begin with, but if you are, if you have a retirement plan and you're going down that road, um, you know, who's, who's better to, to really decide what are the best investments than you? So I, I think it's, I think it's smart. I mean, you're, you, I think people obviously, you know, if, if you're new to real estate investing, maybe you don't have all of the, um, uh, technical information, but if you put it in your hands, you can learn it. None of the stuff in the real estate is rocket science. It really is. None of it's like beyond, I don't know, like, basic algebra, like basic, basic algebra. Um, and most of it is like addition, subtraction, division. So, you know, uh, anybody can, can, can do it. Um, you can learn it. And also you should trust your gut a little bit. You know, yes. one of the things that I like to talk about is finding a sponsor that really matches you and matches like your philosophical outlook and how you approach investing, you know, my own particular flavor is that like, I like to do things that are improving the world and making the world a little bit of a better place. So for me, the bottom line is not only about money. It's important. It's not a charity. We're there to make a profit, but I think you could do well by doing good. So that's, that's like my own style. Right. And so people have different approaches. So you want to find a sponsor that you feel like connected with that you agree with them philosophically. Like a, there, there's a cliche in this business, but like you should invest with people that you know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you. It's who you know, who you like, who you trust. It's in your hands. <laughs> so I think the quote is awesome. It's perfect. Yeah, that's I definitely. I was thinking about you having that that concept of of breaking it down as well, and thinking about multifamily. That it really it. It sounds very complex because, you know, like we were just talking about with all these abbreviations, but it really is like your basic math. If you can balance your checkbook, you can, with just a little bit of education by doing podcasts and reading books, you can learn how to look at the numbers of a real estate transaction and see whether you feel comfortable and and ongoing with what you just said, Matt, about trusting someone and understanding and being able to have, if if you can ask questions to someone that you feel speaks your same language that you can understand what they're saying if someone's speaking to you and they're just talking numbers and really not really answering your question or taking that time to understand what it is that you don't understand that may not be the person to invest with but if someone is speaking your language or taking that time that's somebody that's going to take the time when you're an investor passively you're you haven't heard from them because it's in between quarters because usually you get quarterly reports sometimes monthly um and they'll say hey what's up oh yeah let me just tell you about and they'll take that time and tell you about the deal how's it going um what they have information they have at that time that's somebody that you want to be investing with yeah and 
It's funny. I think going back kind of to the quote, like put your future in good hands, your own, like the first thing that makes me think about is like, I feel like a lot of people should ask themselves, like, is your future truly in your hands right now? Like, is it in your hands or is it in your boss's hands or your significant other? Like, is it really in your own hands? Can you like do a little something a little different to get that promotion that you want? Um, you know, or is it, are you kind of in a position where you don't have that? And I hope that like would really make people think like, okay, if I'm not in the position to control my future right now, what steps can I take to put myself in a position where I can be in charge of my future? Because that was the first thing that popped into my head, like put it in your own hands. Well, for you have to figure out if it's there first, because your future might not even, you know, you might have so many other things going on that you are not really in control yet. So I hope that people hearing that quote think like, okay, let me get everything in control. Let me, if the stream of passive income is what I want, what do I have to do to get it? Mm. What else do you guys think about that quote? Well, and yeah. circling back to um, Matt saying about his um, friend that, you know, didn't fall into the sophisticated cat category per se out of the gate, that's also leads back to putting things into your own hands. If this is what you, you know, if this is a, um, the stream, the passive stream of income that you're looking for in multifamily in this asset class, get educated. So that's it, everything circle does circle back to, you know, looking inward and what do you know, what you don't know, and what do you need to do? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I pretty much agree with what Matt said. Just nobody else cares about my future, my family, my kids' future as much as me. So got to take life by the reins and, and direct it in the direction I want it to go. So true. So true. And unfortunately, guys, we are running out of time, but I know I can definitely say that we all personally really enjoyed chatting with you so much today, Matt, you know, really appreciate all of your great info, like love the way you broke down, you know, what a syndication is, you know, how you can create a stream of passive income and, you know, the different things I think vetting and your sponsorship questions, um, questions to ask somebody that's sponsoring, that's really huge. That's something that, you know, I hope all of our listeners go check out your website, check your book out. You know, that's a great way to, you know, get yourself from, you know, I don't know, but you know, I am, I am getting sophisticated, you know, I'm learning all of that stuff. And, you know, like you said, the first, what the, you first learned about a syndication was on a podcast. You first learned about what that is. So I hope this can be, you know, the type of podcast that starts for a lot of people teaching them, like, this is one of the ways you can create a stream of passive income. So um, I think with the four of you, because I know this is this is a new venture for you do, starting this podcast. And I think with the four of you, it's going to be a phenomenal uh, opportunity for people to learn about this. I mean, you've asked really great questions and I just can't wait to start, you know, listening to your future episodes as you'll dig more and more into different aspects of it. And I love the format with the four of you. I think you all are going to um, approach it from different aspects. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it, how this develops over time. Oh, thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it's really wonderful to think about, you know, we're just ordinary people, but we're living extraordinary lives because we are taking our future into our own hands. So yeah. I, it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic to have you on. Thank you. Yes. Well, it was and we hope to have 
lots more awesome, awesome guests like you. And I feel like you'll probably be uh, the information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions. We wanted to say thanks to you guys, you know, our listeners for joining us at this roundtable today. Tune into our next episode, you know, to get some more great infos from some of our next expert guests who are going to have on, you know, the different things that you need to know to feel good and ready to invest passively. Um, remember, you can always check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or visit our website over at therealestatewomen.com. So thanks again. Tune in. Thanks a million, Matt. It's been fun, ladies. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.